It is. Hello, everybody. I'm Jesse Waters, along with Judge Jeanine Pirro, Harold Ford Jr., Martha McCallum, and Greg Gutfeld. It's 5 o'clock in New York City, and this is The Five. Hunter Biden bolting from the press after wrapping up a marathon day of testifying. The first son showing up on Capitol Hill for his sworn deposition by Republican investigators just days after his pinky promise to America that he'll stop smoking crack to help save democracy. Hunter's lawyer talking to the press and blasting Republicans for daring to quiz the president's son on his shady business dealings. It seems to me that the Republican members wanted to spend more time talking about my client's addiction than they could ask any question that had anything to do with what they call their impeachment inquiry. So, as I said before, there is no evidence because there is no evidence, and today only confirmed that. But James Comer and other Republicans had to remind Americans what this is really all about. This was a great deposition for us. Uh, it proved several bits of our evidence. Uh, that we've been uh, conducting throughout this investigation. Uh, but there are also some contradictory statements that I think need further review. Uh, so this impeachment inquiry will now go to the next phase, which will be a public hearing. Hunter Biden is being defiant and also dishonest. And his testimony, some of it, is in direct conflict with other witnesses. He didn't want to answer the questions directly that were related to him. And lucky for Hunter. The Democratic Avengers were on hand to defend him. What we just witnessed over the last hour was, I think, a deep sea fishing expedition. If this impeachment inquiry continues, then Chairman Comer and Chairman Jordan are working with Russia. They're peddling Russian lies. Basically, the Republicans have become synonymous for Russians. We're talking about someone who is an actual citizen, just a regular, schmegular citizen. Republicans apparently hate Parents and sons and families that talk to each other by phone often. He was an expert on corporate governance. He's a very smart and lucid guy who had a terrible struggle with addiction. He's just a regular schmegular citizen, Greg. You know, i got to hand it to him. That was a diverse collection of morons. <laughs> they had morons yeah. from every group, and they were all bona fide, 100% stupid. This is not a political exercise as much as, as it is a lesson in media bias. When they exact warfare on the people they hate, it's noble, it's heroic, it's patriotic. When it's applied to them, then it becomes merely political. It's a show trial. I'm not crazy about this court stuff, but who got the ball rolling here? The marshalling of lawyers, intel agency, political operatives against Trump. He's being hunted. And now the Republicans are finally learning how to use a rifle. Right. So anyone trying to generate sympathy over Hunter has to remember how little sympathy they held for Trump's family, who exists light years away from Hunter's corrupt and sordid shenanigans. They tried to ruin their lives over nothing. This is, by the way, this is just a deposition. And you have to remember, Hunter's a lawyer, so he's equipped. He's at home in court as much as he is in a crack den. And I, I you know, you got to would the media be as sympathetic if a Trump kid had a drug addiction? Ask yourself, they'd go after them if they were snorting Afrin. So I, 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 I hate 
the, the ping pongness of court. But I understand why this has to be done. There is concrete proof uh, through emails that uh, Joe is using Hunter Biden to make it rain. But the media says there's nothing to see here. It's political. This is from the most politically driven media in history. The media accusing anybody of, of being political is like the view calling is stupid. Mm. So not a long hearing, Judge Janine. Um, I would have expected that this thing probably go to seven or eight o'clock. They wrapped it up around four. Um, do you think they got enough at this deposition? I think they got as much as he wanted to give them, and that's why it was probably short. But, you know, the crazy part about all this is that, you know, you've got this whole crew of Democrats, and you know, a well-represented crew, as, as uh, Greg says. But, you know, they're out there saying nothing happened, nothing. It's just a poor guy who was drug addicted, and the guy didn't even finish testifying. I mean, they don't even know what's going on in there. And the bottom line is this. What did the Bidens get $24 million for? What were they in the business of? Stop kidding each other. This is influence peddling. This is corruption. This is something that is proven not just by Hunter Biden. And by the way, the fact that he's addicted to cocaine and crack cocaine or whatever it is, that's not the issue. And by the way, that's not a defense to any crime. It's not a defense to murder, grand larceny, influence peddling or lobbying on behalf of a foreign nation, which nobody thought to charge him with. But that's a that's a whole other issue. Joe Biden would not have gone to Ukraine and leveraged a billion dollars of our money because he wanted to get rid of a corrupt prosecutor in Ukraine. The guy has been dealing with the highest level of crime we've seen in America for 30 years. Has he ever once said, I want to get rid of that prosecutor who's not prosecuting crime. This guy is corrupt. I'm going to make sure we bring the power of our government to make sure that the American people are represented and are, are safe and secure. Not at once. But he can't wait to get to Ukraine. Why? Because his son is on the board of Burisma. Burisma wants to sit on uh, Wall Street. It can't if there's a problem in Ukraine. So he flies over there. Three days after Hunter contacts him and leverages a billion dollars in order for them to fire the prosecutor. Look, we know in the end that Joe was brought in at the end of every deal, whether it was dinner, playing golf, a phone call. It's all there, folks. I'm not going to bore you. But these are liars. Joe said he never knew or discussed his son's business. Then he was never part of the business, that he never interacted with the associates of his sons, not to mention he flew over to China on Air Force Two to make sure they 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 uh, they connected. And Hunter, you know, Hunter never lied either. He was just addicted when he got a gun, but he didn't know he was addicted. Therefore, he shouldn't be responsible. He's guilty. Some of the leaks coming out of this deposition Harold, they said that Hunter said he went to the Burisma board to fight Russian aggression in Ukraine. <laughs> it's good to be back with everybody. Yeah, so good to be I'd back. Say, I'd, say, with you. I'd say a couple of things. Um, a lot of this is embarrassing, and I, 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 I can't figure out for the life of me what, what the crime is. Uh, but put that aside for one moment. What, whatever they think the crime is, you have to actually produce evidence to show that someone did something. I hear the judge. The judge has a very strong uh, theory of the case, and your theory could be correct. But thus far, I've not heard or seen any evidence to suggest that any of it is true. The one thing that Mr. Comer has well, repeated... What about the bank records, the $24 million? So let's assume, let's assume that's right. I've not seen... What was the money for? Can I, can I finish? The, if someone is paid $24 million, who cares if it's legal? 
If the art, listen, who cares if it's legal? No, no. Who cares? No, no, no. no. Listen, who cares as long as it's legal? Jesse is what I'm saying. Part of what people are saying about Hunter is that he's unqualified. Okay, if he is unqualified, he's a Yale-educated lawyer uh, that started a business. Uh, People hire consultants to do things all the time that may not do the job. People hire CEOs all the time who get fired. We don't say they're unqualified. We say they were. They just didn't do the job right. Number one. Number two. If if Joe Biden was a part of this. Right. Let's say he was receiving money. If he were not in government, it wouldn't matter. It's not it's not so illegal. you can bribe a politician's family. You're saying listen to me. He was not in government. When, when, he when got he a diamond him. when he was in the vice president. No, no, right. So no, no, he was not in office in 2017. He was, he Remember, your president was there in 2017. Yeah. No. So you have right. an allegation. So listen, right. I hear you. But these are facts that are, I think relevant to this. I listen to Nancy May said he was defiant. <laughs> Defiance is not a crime, nor is defiance grounds for impeachment. So here's where I'll end it. You all could be right, and you could definitely be wrong. One thing we know, he has complied. He has gone before and, and sat with them in the, in the, uh, and gone with, uh, gone with the rules. He's sat in a closed-door hearing. Apparently, he's going to sit in an open-door hearing, and we'll get a chance to see it. But the only thing I've heard Chairman Comer say is this stuff about two checks and millions of dollars. Now, I'll just say this, and I don't think anything is wrong with it. When President Trump left office, he decided... Uh, to to do business with the LF, uh, the Live Golf Tournament, and they have used rightly so some of his golf courses, and I understand he's being compensated for. It. That's not something I would do, but that's not illegal. Okay, but and, Hunter and is not is, a real businessman. Okay, so, but, he doesn't so, have a website. Okay. He doesn't have a real so, job. So Jesse, he's just so, a conduit but Jesse, for bribes. Jesse, if, so, so Jesse, there's a lot of leaps you're making there, brother, and I hear you. You well, cannot it's a like leap him here, Harold. And we got to leap over to you, Martha. You, you cannot like him, but that doesn't mean because right. you don't believe he's qualified that he's done something. Well, I, know, I, I, I he said make, he wasn't qualified. I, I would just make a quick point. You know, a contract for using a golf course is a thing. Okay, that's an asset that the company has that someone is contracting. Where are the contracts that were written between the Biden corporation and what the services were going to be? And and I agree with you. It's quite clear when you watch James Comer that as as much as all of this stinks to high heaven, 150 suspicious activity reports. I don't have that. Do do anybody? Nobody has that here. I mean, all these (laughs) shell companies uh, to, to hide where this money was going. But what it smacks of more than anything, and I think this is something that the American people will have to decide when it comes election time. How when you join the if you become a member of Congress, I'm about to say at age of 28, I think you were about 28. When I was you 26 years but old. Thanks to people of Memphis that, for electing. But after that, you have, you know, been employed on Wall Street. You have a number of, of jobs that you do. Joe Biden's never had that in his life. OK, Hunter Biden said himself, I had to pay for the whole family. I, you know, I had to give half of everything to pop. And the questions about how he made this money are enormous dealing with China, dealing with Ukraine. Dealing, and, and sometimes he fell flat on his face. And maybe that's because he was addicted. Some of these deals fell through and never happened. The American people are the ones who are going to decide this ultimately. I don't think it's going to come down to a criminal issue. I think it's going to come down to what people want in terms of their leadership at the ballot box come November. But all of this is airing that, I would say, dirty laundry in many cases for people to decide on their own. The and reason the people we're going to have decide. to have Martha... Give us the last word on that one. Okay. Because we have a Fox News alert. The Supreme Court has just decided it will take up Trump's immunity case at the end of April. The decision's expected in June. This will put Jack Smith's January 6th case on hold for now. Shannon Bream is in D.C. with more. Shannon. 
Yeah, this is a significant delay, Jesse, to what Jack Smith had hoped would be a trial starting March 4th. That's clearly not happening. We weren't sure whether the Supreme Court would get involved or not, because the D.C. Circuit, which is that appellate level just before the Supreme Court, had a very lengthy, detailed decision saying that the immunity case would not be a winner for President Trump. They gave him a big loss. So they went to the Supreme Court and asked for a stay. What the court did was go beyond that, not only stay the case, but say we're actually going to hear it. We're told that briefing will happen in the next few weeks. They will likely hear this case the week of April 22nd. That means that from that point on, we wait. And normally these big decisions come at the end of June. This one has been expedited, though, so it may come ahead of that. But until then, that lower court is on hold. Jack Smith cannot proceed at all with any of this January 6th case against the former president. So we'll wait to see how the arguments go. But remember, once the Supreme Court makes ultimately its decision in this case, then that trial court unpauses where Judge Chutkin has had the entire thing on pause. Uh, I would imagine the Trump team is going to argue at that point, if he loses on the immunity issue, that they need several weeks, if not a couple of months before they can even begin to think about restarting the case, which would then throw it probably to late summer, early fall. And all of this, of course, right in the middle of the election. Jesse. So, Shannon, if he does get a disfavorable ruling by the Supreme Court at the end of June Mm -hmm. and he does get a delay, is that really conceivable that they would have a January 6th federal trial like after the second debate? I mean, it is possible. Of course, there's always so much that you do. And they have been arguing there are millions of pages of discovery. What is the rush? We have all of this time. Let's go through this as we would any other federal trial. Special counsel has argued all along. This is a matter of national importance. We think that people should know whether there's going to be a conviction in this case before this man's name appears on the ballot, if he indeed is the GOP nominee, as it looks like it will be. But I think even if we get this decision the last week of June, if it's one of those biggies that we get at the very end of the term again, from there, I think the Trump team is going to argue we have pretrial motions, we have discovery that puts us through July, August, maybe September before we'd even be ready to argue this case. So uh, the early fall is very conceivable for this. And he could also get a favorable ruling by the high court. Judge Shanine. So then, Shannon, we are beginning from square one, assuming that the Supreme Court says that there is no immunity here and the, and the trial goes forward. There have been no pretrial motions made at all in the D.C. case. Well, there have been some things going on. There have been discovery. Remember, if you remember a couple of months ago, uh, the government actually tried to produce some of the documents to the Trump team while this thing was supposed to be paused. And the Trump team, normally you'd want those documents, but they said, oh, no, no, this whole thing is on pause. You can't be giving us documents. We can't be doing any of the normal pretrial stuff. So all of that, judges, you know, and can very well explain to everyone, that takes time. So once we have a decision from the Supreme Court, if this case goes back to the trial court and starts moving forward, You'll have all of that pretrial motion stuff that could really slow things down. And do you attribute anything to the Supreme Court agreeing to take this uh, on an expedited basis? Well, Judge, you know, they made clear to say in this order without expressing a view on the merits. So they're saying we're not taking any position. There's no vote breakdown in here. There's no dissenters. So we don't know how anybody voted or what happened here. You know that the former president had asked for a stay to put this whole thing on hold for a bit. That would have taken five votes. But what the court did was say, we basically converted this stay into your writ for certiorari, meaning you formally were requesting an appeal. That's how the special counsel wanted this to be treated. That only takes four votes. 
So now we're left to just play games, parlor games, about guessing who voted how because there's no breakdown in this order. All right. Shannon, thank you so much. You got it. I'm confused. Could somebody remind me what we're talking about? Because what is he being charged with again? This is about obviously So it's immunity. whether or not you can be charged as a president. Oh, I know, I know. For What's acts he, you the January 6th stuff. I, I, I know. What's he being charged? I want to know what he's being charged with. Well, not insurrection. That we know. That, that's what I'm trying to. I, obstruction of justice. Oh, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what it is, yeah. what we're going back to that started the this whole thing. The underlying crime is yeah, obstruction. Got, right. Yeah. And that's but funny. Would right? this also apply, Judge, to the documents case as well? Um, it does. You think it does? Well, the, I think the president, the former president, said that he could not be charged with anything because um, of actions he took as president. So Jack Smith has is dual. So it's it's the documents and I believe. Well, yeah, there, I mean, they're both federal cases. The question is whether or not the government would argue that his possession after he is president separates it from his having immunity from the time he was. So the Supreme president. Court could uh, divide those two things yeah. in their decision. Yeah, they well, might. Hey, well, here, here's the issue, I think, also. And I, I don't disagree with the, the speculation that we we're talking about here. And, and, and Greg raises a central point, which we should, we should get the answer to here. Uh, and I think there are probably two two cases here, two two cases with maybe interrelationships here. This was the core of President Trump's uh, charge or claim that he should not be charged yeah, at defense. all. So if, if his this is the core of his early defense or pre-defense strategy here, which is all part to the judge's point. And if the court, if the Supreme Court uh, says that the president does have immunity, which the president has asserted he has unconditional immunity, then all of this will go away for, for the president. Not only will it, it, it clear the way for no trial or, or not a trial before the election, we will have no trial, period. But if he loses on this before the court, um, this opens the door, I believe, for a quicker trial. I think I, one of the things I wanted to ask Shannon, I don't know the answer to this, is how many pretrial motions, I think you were trying to get at this yeah. too, Judge, how many yeah. pretrial motions have there been so far? And do we have a sense of how many uh, that, that Mr. Trump's team has said they want to present? Maybe they'll come up with other well, ones. But without this... Immunity defense. I mean, it cuts you off, Judge. This is a this would be an incredible blow to President Trump's uh, defense to not have a trial. I'm not saying he's guilty, but to not have a trial. The trial would likely, I think, go you forward. You mean for sooner. them to agree that he is if that they, he has immunity? If they say he does not have immunity. Oh, if the he does court, not. Think Obviously. They, well, I think it goes more quickly. I don't think. I think it will. I think it will happen in the summer. I don't think they will move this. I don't think they will push this back until after the election. I don't think the judge well, will. But, but it depends upon the pretrial motion calendar. And what, what Shannon was saying was, you know, that, that the president was saying, no, not so fast. We've got this immunity issue. I got the sense that they were holding off on discovery and on those motions until they got a decision on the fundamental aspect of whether or not this man has immunity as president. Well, they, I mean, they're looking for ways to delay, 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 right? I mean, that's part of the strategy. And I just want to correct myself. I believe it's obstruction of a federal um, proceeding. Not yes, justice. like pulling a fire alarm. Oh, <laughs> no, he did good. pull a fire alarm. He said protest peacefully, which is always left out of the media coverage. That's why this is a bunch of BS. All right. Well, we'll see. Well, from what I understand, he's going to be arguing that it's he's not immune from everything. He can't just go out and just commit random felonies willy nilly. While he's president. No, no, no. no. It's a narrower scope. He's saying, yes, it is, while performing my official duties as commander in chief. He's not arguing he can go out and murder people. He did.
and he said un- no. unconditional immunity. That, That's, that, did he that not say not that, Madam Judge? Did he and not they say will not that? rule on that. that. Are you saying what the law is or what no. uh, President what is Trump President is saying? Trump saying that's no. a garbage argument. If that argument was made, it's a garbage argument, and the Supreme Court will likely rule. No, he does not have blanket immunity, but... While exercising his official duties as president, he should have immunity, whether that's prosecuting war, fighting for election integrity, or anything or else he's doing. Have you, right. Well, guess wait, what? Wait, the Supreme yeah, Court's going to decide. Have you ever been injured in an automobile accident <laughs> or at work? Call 1-800-JESSE-WATERS. That's 1-800-JESSE-WATERS for all your lawsuit needs. And I say that without having gone yeah. to law school. Yes. Probably. Detail, and that makes detail. me know the law better. Yeah. Right, Judge? With Wrong. two of us right here. Okay. Citizen representation. Oh, but going. I like your confidence, Jess. <laughs> That's what I it's love false it. yeah. bravado will get you everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're monitoring this breaking news <laughs> and we'll bring you updates. Coming up, uncommitted voters in Michigan giving Sleepy Joe a big wake up call in November. When moderate to severe, also. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Joe Biden might need an extra scoop of ice cream to soothe his bruised ego. After 100,000 uncommitted voters spoiled his big victory in the Michigan Democratic primary. The far left group of Democrats totaling 13 percent of the primary vote as a way to bully Joe into backing a ceasefire in Israel. It's sure to send a shock down the spine of Democrats who thought November was going to be a cakewalk. Keep this in mind. Democrats lost Michigan in 2016 by only 11,000 votes. And right on cue, the media is melting down over it. If we get to Chicago at the convention and this thing is still going on, I don't want to think about what's going to happen there. That's a wow. This is a place President Biden carried big time in 2020. This is key to his chances of defeating Donald Trump in Michigan. Michigan's going to be tougher uh, because you got a bunch of constituencies that we need that right now are grumpy, uh, to say the least. I understand that you're frustrated, but you got to realize if you let this other one in, we're all screwed. <laughs> The other big concern Democratic voters have about the president is over his advanced age. Joe Biden just had his annual physical, and it says the president is a, quote, healthy, active, robust, 81-year-old male who remains fit to successfully execute the duties of the presidency. The White House goes on to claim that Biden's doctors don't think he needs a cognitive test. But how about a push-up contest? I'll bet you anything that Joe Biden could beat the daylights out of Trump in a in a push-up contest, for example. And Trump knows it, too, although if it was a cheeseburger eating contest, it might turn out differently. OK. All right. I'll start with you, Martha. You know, the, this uncommitted group, they were looking for 10,000 votes. They end up getting over 100,000 votes of uncommitted voters against Biden. Uh, they feel emboldened by this. They think they're going to go to the, uh, you know, to Chicago and they're going to be able to make a difference in the platform. What do you think? Well, you know, I think it's interesting that we've seen over the last several weeks a number of high profile Democrats questioning whether or not Joe Biden should be the candidate. 
This gives them another arrow in their quiver if they want to continue to poke at this and say, oh, he's going to have big problems. Jim Car- uh, James Carville said, I think it's a lot deeper than just progressive advocates or young people. I hope the president can get some kind of ceasefire and take this off the front burner. So they see this as a very uh, difficult issue for him. On the other hand, you know, he, he can't run the risk of uh, upsetting Jewish voters in the Democrat base either because they're already um, they're already, you know, aligning with conservatives in, and President Trump in bigger ways. So they are in a very tight spot here. Um, I just wonder if they're going to use this difficulty that they saw in Michigan last night against Joe Biden and try to encourage him to, to push out. They don't have an alternative, of, of course. One other thing I would just mention about Michigan, there, were, there was a 30 percent more Republican votes cast than Democrat vote in Michigan. Mm-hmm. It's a big number, 320,000 votes. So what does that show? Does it show that Republicans turned out more for the primary or does it show something significant for November? But that, that's a big number in terms of turnout for Republicans last night. You know, Jesse, we know that Biden is not doing well uh, with the youth vote, although to Biden, everybody's younger. Um, but, you know, there's talk about <laughs> there's talk about whether or not he's competing with the young voters going out to vote. You're the youth vote. Don't go there, Jesse. Um, now I lost my train. The, the, the issue is whether or not these young people stay home on the couch. Right. You know, if they're not fired up about him to begin with. So not only did he lose a lot of Arabs to the uncommitted, he lost Ann Arbor and East Lansing, which is University of Michigan and Go Michigan blue. State. <laughs> Go blue. So you're seeing the college students also not show up to be uncommitted. And the question is, if Trump's on the ballot in November and you got Joe Biden, are they going to come around to go home with Joe? They're not voting for Trump. So they're going to either do third party or they're not going to vote at all, or just go down ballot. And if I were Biden, I'd be scared because Wayne County, where Detroit is, 25% of that vote was uncommitted. That's a lot. And so he has to bank on peace in the Middle East, Judge, Mm -hmm. to bring back the uncommitted. He has to make a peace deal between Israel and the Palestinians in order to consolidate his base. That is a tall order. And we don't know if RFK Jr. is even going to make the ballot. If he does, that's an even bigger problem for Joe Biden. They gave the president a clean bill of health. That must mean, then, he could stand trial for the documents case. Yeah, and good debate point. Trump. And debate Trump. All right, I'm going to go to you next, Harold. You know, they say that, uh, I think it was Corinne Jean-Pierre who said that, you know, President Biden is, uh, he doesn't need a cognitive test. And they gave us his current health issues that he's being treated for, apnea and uh, reflux and a bunch of other stuff. Are you comfortable with this president? Like, I really feel youthful when I talk about President, <laughs> president Biden. I, th- I think a couple things. First, th- there, th- there's a history of protest votes in, in, in Michigan. Uh, Obama in 2012 for re-election, he lost 20,000 vote, 20, people voted uncommitted. Now it's 101,000 this go-round. So let me not, I'm not naive, nor am I trying to downplay the fact that this is a serious issue. And I hope <clears throat> that the campaign takes this seriously. I thought my old friend James Carville had it, had it largely right. If we find ourselves... Um, going to Chicago as Democrats and this issue, these issues continue to percolate and continue to be high on people's and voters' minds. Uh, it's going to be a challenge. Two things. I think Sa- I think that I'm saying Sandra. I think that Martha raised because Sandra was there yesterday. I think Martha raised. Oh, y'all look alike. Look alike. Come on, Harold. <laughs> well, well, yeah. well, you do. But Sandra was sitting there yesterday. The uh, it's a joke. The the uh, Martha raised a point that if I were in the White House, I'd be slightly more concerned about as concerned about. I think the enthusiasm gap was even higher than what you attributed. I think it was almost 35 to 40 percent more Republicans showed up. Now, some will argue because you had 
uh, Nikki Haley and you and, and in the race and you have this uh, two parties going at one another. And that certainly is a plausible explanation. But if you're serious about politics, you got to look at that seriously uh, and be mindful of that. Finally, um, two thirds of the country, more than two thirds of the country does not want a rematch between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Uh, is age a part of it? Maybe. I haven't seen all the polling data, but I think there may be some fatigue around other issues as well. So if I'm President Biden, uh, you have to figure out ways in which we bring about peace and security, even if we have to use force and even massive force or the threat of it at times to secure it. And I hope that the White House does not back down uh, in our support for releasing the hostages. And I hope we don't back down in our support for ensuring that we try to weaken Hamas in every which way that we can. And we ought to say that in a way to unite our party and unite people uh, who believe that peace and security in the Middle East is the future. But it can't be uh, if we allow Hamas to be a central and important part of it. Well, I guess they're recommending a two-state solution. I don't know that that worked. Greg, wrap it up. Well, you know, if this uncommitted voting thing is about Israel and Hamas, I don't think that's good news for Americans in general. When you have a large segment of society that looks at a response from one country to a horrific attack of rape and dismemberment as somehow worse than the attack itself, uh, that kind of frightens me. It, it, it's not a Democrat-Republican thing. Um, I would prefer a different outcome that would be favorable to Biden, even if it helps Trump. Because, I mean, I get the enemy of my enemy is my friend, but Biden is not my enemy. Hamas is. Right. So I don't think these folks that are doing this protest vote are suddenly going to embrace Make America Great Again over Joe Biden. Michelle Tlaib. Is that her name? What's her first name? I don't know Michelle. if it's Michelle. No. Rashida. Rashida Tlaib. Right. Voted against condemning Hamas as a terrorist group. Right. right. That's the hero in this. That's not good. I think the problem with the Dems is they cultivated identity separatism. And now the chickens have come home to roost. They have one large identity faction who see themselves as a certain nationality before they see themselves as Americans. I don't like that outcome. I don't either. Good analysis, Greg. Thank you. You're welcome. Coming up, <laughs> an explosive moment over the murder of Lake and Riley by an illegal immigrant. The mayor of the sanctuary city getting raked over the coals. Watch this. Liar! Liar! We, Liar! We are here to listen. Liar! Liar! More on that next. <laughs> So, what'd you get? Two nations on my mind. Who's this? Willie. Willie Nelson. So some Democrats and the media trying to portray the horrific murder of young Lake and Riley by an illegal immigrant as just one instance that Republicans are seizing on. But it's not true. There are many terrifying cases that are adding up across the country. In Maryland, a 25-year-old illegal Salvadoran migrant was arrested in connection with the shooting and killing of a two-year-old child. In Virginia, a Venezuelan migrant charged with sexually assaulting a 14-year-old girl. In Louisiana, a Honduran migrant was arrested for allegedly raping a 14-year-old and stabbing a man during a robbery. Americans are taking notice, and today there was a stunning moment in Athens, Georgia, where Lake and Riley was murdered. Now the town's Democratic mayor is getting shouted down by residents who are furious over the sanctuary city, sanctuary city policy there. 
Watch this. Who voted to, to make Athens Clark County a sanctuary city, sir? Who? What's their name? You're a liar. We're here to listen. Liar. There'll be time for liar. questions. You are guilty and got blood on your hands. You need to go, sir. We don't want to hear from you no more. You're not defending us. You're not upholding your oath of office, sir. You are lawless. So he then uh, asked for that man to be taken out of the room. Jesse, I watched this this morning and I thought to myself, he came out. He talked about how much money they were spending on safety initiatives now in Athens in order to uh, you know, make people feel better about this problem looking into the future. And then he went through a bunch of statistics saying, you know, when you look at college towns, we're actually safer than other college towns. I don't know how this makes anybody feel better about what happened to Lake and Riley. And shortly after that, you heard people basically lose their minds yeah, in that room. the country's sick and tired of being lied to. They tell us there's no inflation, there's no crime wave. They say there's no evidence Biden's corrupt. They're sick of it, and they're just going to start yelling at politicians. It's the only way you can get their attention. One of the reasons he can state that there's no correlation between illegal immigration and crime is because all of the cities in the country are sanctuary cities, so they don't report any of the illegal alien crime to the FBI. So at the end of the year, they don't have the statistics. Not only that, most of the time they label all of these illegal aliens as white. So it still doesn't show up in any of the data. This guy's a liar. Two years ago, he was on TV talking about ICE is bad and Trump is demonizing aliens because of his comments at Charlottesville. And we're going to protect the illegal immigrant population of this town. I looked up his little law on sanctuary cities. It's riddled with loopholes. There's, this is a sanctuary city county. They popped a guy for shoplifting, didn't tell ICE. Same with New York, popped him for illegal endangerment of a child, didn't tell ICE. Again, they caught him, released him at the border, Georgia and New York. This is destroying the Democratic Party. You know, Harold, you look at a lot of cities across the country run in, mostly by Democrats who basically told ICE they had no agency in those cities. They weren't able to deport people, not able to kick them out. Now Mayor Adams is saying we have to go back to the way that it was, because if it was that way in New York, when this per this individual who is suspected of killing this young woman um, endangered the life of a child, he could have been deported immediately. Your thoughts on that? Well, I, I couldn't agree with you, you more. I, I think what Mayor Adams is trying to do, uh, he should be supported on. Um, I, I'm not a big believer. You go to town meetings, you just yell at people and yell at politicians. I understand what you're saying. You want to get them to listen. But the way you yell at the politicians, you unelect them. Um, uh, but that's beside the point. I think what you're saying is absolutely right. If I were in Congress in the majority, uh, I'd probably be doing something a lot different than what people are doing now in the Congress. And if they don't want to pass the bipartisan agreement that's been reached in the Senate, why not pass a law and send it to the Senate saying that any city that adopts sanctuary, a sanctuary law poster we will deny you federal funds for law enforcement and other things if you don't do this. If they feel that strong, because I feel strongly about it. I mean, I'm passionate about this. I think this issue, I, I, the stories that I hear here in New York City uh, from friends, uh, both parties, parties not really the issue at all, uh, the fist fights and the knife fights. I had a friend that told me, told me about a knife fight as she was going to work on the subway yesterday, early in the morning, uh, between two people whom she believed were migrants. Um, no one should be subjected to that. So I think that, that the idea of yelling is great. But we have an opportunity to bring about some answers here. The White House could sign a reinstatement of some of the Trump uh, uh, border policies that were executive orders. 
And the Congress should pass laws that give more money to how more cops, law enforcement, and change the asylum process at the border. We do that, we'll get closer to not allowing more of these awful human beings into but, our country. Janine, um, Harold's acknowledging what's happening in cities. President Biden came out today and did not acknowledge it. He was in the room with a whole group of um, police chiefs from around the country and talked about how much better things are now. Joe that the Biden homicide rates are down. Didn't he, mention Lake and Riley. Gaslights us again. He said today, and I wrote it down, he said that violent crime is down. He said that uh, we should be happy, basically, and feel good that they're, they're bringing all these police chiefs together and, you know, violent crime is down and that police are able to confront the violence. That's a bunch of hogwash, okay? It's more lying to the American people. We are at a very dangerous intersection right now in this country, the intersection of crime and immigration. And what we are seeing in all of those cases that you identified, Venezuela, Honduras, El Salvador, uh, and uh, uh, what was the other one? Uh, Honduras, Venezuela, El Salvador. The one guy from El Salvador, there's an MS-13 gang member, and I used to prosecute mm. these people. I know them well, okay? What this guy had was a red alert on him. The red alert is when El Salvador issues a, a, a national, international alert saying anyone who finds him, Hold him. We will come and get him. That's El Salvador saying that. Well, where is he? He's in the United States committing crimes. We deport them and they come back. This one guy came back four times in one of those cases you talked about. We deport them even if we get to the point where we can. And then we let them right back. We're like a bunch of wimps who don't know how to run a country. And, you know, the idea of feds denying federal funding, we th there was talk of this during the Trump years. And the problem with that is whether it's a burn grant or any other grant that I got when I, when I was DA, is you can't deny funding and say you're a sanctuary city because that funding also involves protection for children. It involves fighting car theft. It involves child abuse. It involves violence against women. It involves all kinds of things. So it's not but that But then doesn't simple. that force that city to say, yeah, okay, but, we're not but, a sanctuary but, city. Okay. That's the idea. Put so, but here on. is the exactly. point. The problem is some of these places are sanctuary cities, not because of the federal government, not because of the governor. New York City is a sanctuary city. You know why? Because Koch said it was a sanctuary city. And then de Blasio came in and said it was a sanctuary city. They were going to make it even more loose. OK, so Mayor Adams, you know, I don't buy a thing he says. All right. He comes out and he says, well, we can't help it. We're a sanctuary. And someone says to him, well, what are you going to do about it? He says, I don't know. Can we? He was interviewed. He said, he didn't know. Now he's all out against it. No, put it on the city council's uh, calendar and get rid of New York City as a sanctuary city. Allow them to come in. The, and the American people have a right to fight this and they have a right to be angry. And I think that's why they're emotional at that meeting and standing up and saying so. Greg, what do you think? Well, okay. Um, I'm just curious how the AP is going to report these other crimes. Uh, an illegal alien rapes a 14 year old girl. Are they going to talk about the risks of reaching puberty? <laughs> it sounds gross, right? But that's exactly the, uh, the, the mentality. It's that it's on you for living your own life. I love how whenever you listen to uh, liberals, they always begin each conversation with one sentence. We need to have a conversation. It's time for a conversation. And then when you have the conversation, they accuse you of pouncing or seizing. But if you don't pounce or seize... You never, ever have the conversation. In terms of crime rates, if you never talk about crime until it's immigration, that's a bit odd. I would call that political. But 
Republicans talk about crime all the time, consistently, whether it's citizens, illegal aliens, mass theft, looting, arson. Man, it's our wheelhouse. We scream it every day and the media doesn't listen. It's not pouncing or political if you're passionate about both illegal and legal crime. Who's not passionate? Biden. He's going to the border tomorrow, not because of bad people, but because of bad polling. That's the only reason why he's going there. It's disgusting that we have to come to this and that because you care, people question your your mindset. Go F yourself. I'm with you. But, but she still should go, right? Who? president. Not to Brownsville. If he wants to see what's going on, don't go to Brownsville. Go somewhere where you can actually see what's going on. There's no need to yell at me. We need new policies. <laughs> I want to yell at you. Everyone's yelling. All right. Let's Coming have up, a conversation. Straight ahead, a ridiculous Willy Wonka scam had children in tears and parents calling the cops. Parents calling the cops over a nightmare Willy Wonka experience that left children in tears. Moms and dads getting lured online by phony AI-generated imagery. But instead of a lush Technicolor wonderland, folks got a sparsely decorated venue in a creepy warehouse. Organizers have apologized and claim they're going to issue refunds. Um, interesting story. Uh, exclamation point. Do you have a strong opinion about this? They totally screwed up. They should have just changed the movie. No, it's not about Willy Wonka. If you look at it, you could say, you know, it's really about Soylent Green, you know, or The Matrix. Just change the movie to fit the atmosphere. This reminds me of the local fair sideshows. You know, they'd say the world's tiniest man. It's just a short guy in a diaper or the lizard lady. It's some chick with a skin condition. And the world's fattest man. They show you a picture of Brian Stelter. It's like so it's just, you know, you got to be skeptical. Don't be first. You know what? This is the fire festival for kids, right? <laughs> they were hyped. Um, everybody thought they were going to something really fun. But my my message for parents is don't don't sign up for these stupid things. Kids are very easily entertained. You know, take them outside, go to the playground, go to the library, have a little fun. You don't need to spend forty five dollars on this kind of garbage. If Gigi and Jesse Jr. you showed up at this, what would you do? Oh, I'll pretend like it's phenomenal. And so we're going to the circus on Saturday, Barnum and Bailey and Ringling Brothers, no relation. And if I showed up to the circus and it was like a squirrel running through like a two by four, I'd be like, look at that squirrel, Junior. And be like, I'll have a drink, please. Actually, too. Just make make it fun. When you said no relation, what did you mean? Bailey. Bailey. Got it. Bailey. Okay. All right. When I'm with my grandson. Uh, well, I just bring him in the kitchen. I cook for him. He sits there exactly. in his old chair. He loves he it. Can't, he can't move. He's very happy. I give him ice cream, and the more ice cream, the more ice cream. My daughter's very And you're making good me. memories. And you yeah. are and you're a great cook. Uh, we'll be the right judge back. is a great cook. One more thing <laughs> is up next. We'll be right back. This... Time now for one more thing, Greg. Oh, tonight we got another great show, 10 p.m. We have Jamie Lissau, Nicholas Giordano, Kat Timpin, Tyrus, 10 p.m. watching. Hey, let's do this. Greg's how many nuts? <laughs> Who's going to win this beautiful squirrel statue made in Taiwan by the National Art Craft Company? All right. All right. What, guess how many nuts? Nine. Eleven. Eight. 
Seven. Oh, come All on, Seven's Martha. Gonna win. Roll it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh-oh. I think I said eight. He doesn't have a big mouth. Three. I think I'm Look at those four. nuts. Seven is going to be it. He Five. can take his nuts. Oh, God. Six. Seven. Uh-oh. Here you go, uh, Jesse. Eight. Oh. Nine. Uh, that's I hilarious. I said Ten. nine. I Judge, said 11. You get. Yeah, you said 11. Over. You can't go over. Here, catch it. It's raining oh. not clean. Yeah. The R&Q. Yeah. <laughs> R&Q. Stop it. Okay. So here's something you don't see every day. Uh, a bunch of goats were brought in to clear the underbrush to help prevent fires. Well, apparently they got out through a Texas neighborhood, but dozens of goats managed to escape. They went for a stroll. Police helped wrangle them back in their pen. Can you imagine that coming across your front lawn? Mm. They're in a rush, too. Come on, Greg. Say something funny. That's the goat. There it is. The greatest of all time. All right. You guys want to see a jet suit race? Finally, we have some high-tech sports. Look at these two guys in Dubai, obviously, zipping around 1,500 horsepower, 80 miles an hour. Why can't we have these in America? Come on, Joe Biden. Do you say it for us tonight? They're probably illegals, Jesse. Probably illegals. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the five ad-free on Amazon Music with your Prime membership or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.